Well, good morning, everybody. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at the verses from 28 through to 36. This week, as I was preparing and uh, praying through the scriptures and doing all the other things that God called me to do, when one of the days... Uh, Pastor Jake and I were out with the pastors. We meet on Thursdays for uh, a get-together to pray. And uh, we heard about this man who was caught drink and driving and had an accident. And so we wanted to lift him up in prayer. And these two words came out as we were about to start a prayer. Defining moment. This is a defining moment for this man. And it just stuck with me, these two words, defining moment. This is a defining moment for everybody here this morning. Every day that you start, every new hour and minute is a defining moment. Every moment that you live is a choice. There's a choice you have to make every day. Every moment of your life, you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a decision. Amazing changes take place when you think about that. Our verse says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, new things have come. How does that look for you? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. As you view your day and your life, every new day, is a defining moment, a choice you're going to make. The verse we're going to focus on, like you look in your Bibles, is verse 35. It says, Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. That's the title of my sermon this morning. Listen to Him. What I'd like you all to do now is close your eyes if you will. I'm going to read you a story and I want you to allow yourself to picture the story. Especially when it comes down to the last part of the story, I think the picture will change in your in your mind. So close your eyes and listen to this. It's a story about two horses. I'm not sure who the author is, but listen to this. Just up the road from my house is a field with two horses in it. From a distance, each horse looks like every other horse. But if you stop your car or are walking by, you will notice something quite amazing. Looking into the eyes of one horse will disclose that he is blind. His owner has chosen not to have him put down, but has made a good home for him. This alone is amazing. If nearby and listening, you will hear the sound of a bell. Looking around for the source of the sound you will see that it comes from the smaller horse in the field. Attached to her altar is a small bell. It lets her, lets her blind friend know where she is so he can follow her. As you stand and watch these two friends, you will see how she is always checking on him and that he will listen for her bell and then slowly walk to where she is. Trusting that she will not lead him astray. 
When she returns to the shelter of the barn each evening, she stops occasionally and looks back, making sure her friend isn't too far behind to hear the bell. Like the owner of these two horses, God does not throw us away just because we are not perfect or because we have problems or challenges. He watches over us and even brings others into our lives to help us when we are in need. Sometimes we are the blind horse, being guided by the little ringing bell of those who God places in our lives. Other times we are the guide horse, helping others see. Good friends are like this. You don't always see them, but you know they are always there. Please listen. Listen to that still, small voice, that whisper. God is always looking out for you. He's looking around to see if you can still hear him. Do you hear him? Let's pray. Lord, I'm listening for that still, small voice. Help us all to hear it and to trust you and follow you to do your will to fulfill your plan of proclaiming the kingdom of God, the good news, helping others see what they cannot see now, to help them through the power of your Holy Spirit to see what was concealed from them for a time. Lord, prepare our hearts for the hearts of those you are preparing for us to meet, that we may be found ready. This morning you know who has come not knowing who you really are, or if you really are a living God, that desires a personal relationship with them. Help them to hear and respond by believing that you truly were here and that you were tortured, beaten, and then nailed to a cross where you died for all our sins, all the wrongs we have done. And then you defeated death and rose again to bring life, forgiveness to all who believe in you, trust in you to transform their lives now, this very moment, if they will believe and invite you into their lives. Lord, do a mighty work this morning. And may your words impact our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Pastor Jake was standing up here and he gave you five questions. Do you remember them? The first question is, are you rich? I thought that was very interesting. Some of us are extremely blessed by the Lord. And we are wealthy, we are successful. I looked at the scriptures, this is what the scripture says. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. What a statement. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then they were even more astonished. And he said to them, Then, who, then they said to him, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Isn't that awesome? Number two, he said, Do you truly look for the kingdom of God? 
Number three, are you born again? Number four, are you citizens of the kingdom of God? Number five, are you a child of God? Scripture says, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. These questions, do you have the answers for? If you don't, please come and speak to me or Pastor Jake or any of the deacons and elders. But I have a question I'd like to add to this one. Number six, and the question's from Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do you know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So if you can say yes to four of Pastor Jake's questions there, in our verse that we are learning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? We're ambassadors for Christ. This morning we're looking at the transfiguration. Most Bibles will have a heading up there saying this is the section on the transfiguration. I looked it up in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary and it says, It's a change in form or appearance, an exalting, glorifying or spiritual change. Think about this. If we are listening to Jesus, then our verse also says in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. We're being transformed to be a new creature, to do things that differently than we do every day. Rise up, the song said. We've got to rise up holy, ready to share the kingdom of God. Are we changing? Our verse says in verse 15, And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Who are we living for? God is saying in verse 35 there, this is my son, listen to him. Are we listening to him? Are we changing our ways? Are we doing what we are told to do? Are we not here to learn to do what we are told to do. We come every Sunday and every day of the week. I hope all of you are reading the word. He is speaking to us. He is saying, listen to me. And then he tells us to do it. I believe there's a number of you amongst us that are really excited and they're out there proclaiming the kingdom of God. And every week I ask that you would send me an email and share with me how you experienced encountered God and how you shared the gospel. I got a lovely email from an officer that um, he says, I'm sitting in my office. It's around 3 a.m. in the morning. I have a young lady that I've arrested, charged, and he was about to put her in the cell. 
And then he stopped. Brought her back and said, I just shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with her and gave her a track explaining everything that we had just talked about. Did she make a decision to follow Christ? I don't know. But she took the tract with a smile and is reading it. You know, this is what a tract is. Just a little pamphlet that you can carry in your, your pocket, your shirt pocket and your suit pocket. Mine is this one, your ticket to heaven. It's my favorite. There are many tracts out there that you can carry around and wait for an opportunity that God will give you if you're not good at actually sharing the gospel, but you can give a tract out to reach somebody. 3 a.m. in the morning, does our God sleep? No. So let's look at the rest of the verses leading up to verse 35. Let's look with me at verse 28. Some eight days after these things, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Probably Mount Hermon. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men, not angels, it says two men, were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but when they were fully awake, They saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as these were leaving him, Peter, as you can see, is a doer, said to Jesus, Master, is it good for us to be here? Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Not realizing what he was saying. What an encounter these three are experiencing here. While he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days anything of these things which they had seen. So remember where I left off in verse 27, Jesus said, But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. I believe these three gentlemen experienced a taste of the kingdom of God at that point, a glimpse of it. Jesus singled out Peter, James, and John for the special revelation of this glory. You know, when I was thinking about the title of my sermon, Listen to Him Now, at the end of that day I went home and in the post I received a letter from Dr. David Jeremiah. And I'm always looking for God to confirm what He wants me to share with you. And He sent me this pamphlet, and guess what it says? Three ways to hear the voice of Jesus. For me, these aren't coincidences. These are reassurances for me. He says, yeah, of all the voices we hear in the course of a day, none is more essential to how we live our lives than the voice of Jesus. His words are perfect, infallible, and unfailing, always truthful and trustworthy. He never spoke a false syllable or struck a wrong note. The wisdom of God is concentrated into every sentence. 
His words are powerful. His voice caused demons to flee and storms to evaporate. His voice is practical. He spoke the language of everyday people. He told simple stories. By listening to him, we learn how to live rich, full, and blessed lives. His words are peaceful. He spoke the words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is more than just a saying. It is a spiritual truth. A promise from our Lord and Savior. Hearing the voice of Jesus is the greatest listening we will ever do. And God is telling us, listen to him. This isn't a vision these three guys are seeing here. This is reality right before their eyes. They saw his glory. Isn't that incredible? Peter makes reference to this in Second Peter chapter 1, 16 through 18. Forty years later, it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance and made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. Listen to what he says here. To which you do well to pay attention. We have to pay attention to what we're reading here and listening to. God himself is saying to you, listen to him. It is so important. Luke avoids the word transfiguration in his recording here. But what occurred was an outward change that came from within. He appeared glorious because he was divine. This is Jesus' glory. While he was on earth, he's just a man. At this time, he was transformed into his glorious radiance that one day we will see in heaven. Right in the beginning of our verses there, take note, it says that our Lord was once again praying. Which suggests that prayer is one of the keys to a transformed life. Now the Lord is nudging me over and over to encourage you to come and pray. Come together and pray. I really, really believe that he wants to do something important. Yes, we can pray anywhere we want. In fact, when I read this story over and over, I went to your great mountain, the monument. That's a beauty. It's bigger than the little Lagrange I had in four years, that little hill that I stood on. <laughs> no clouds came low enough there. I went up to the monument to pray. God goes up to the mountain to pray. Have you been up and prayed on a mountain before? Oh, it's awesome. Shut your eyes and just pray. When you pray, do you feel a change when you get up, when you start your day and you've been on your knees and you're praying? You say, all right, Lord, when I go out that door, it's you and me. I have no idea what you have planned, but you do. Just let me see what I need to see and let me be obedient. Tell me what i got to do. You're transformed from within. You're communicating to God. You're saying, I am listening. Help me listen. Help me hear it. 
God is always reminding us about this prayer over and over. Luke's recorded it. Jesus is setting the example as a man. This is what I do. You should do the same. But he was obviously spending a lot of time praying because it says his disciples fell asleep. Right on this occasion. And when you think about this transfiguration that's recorded here, it's the only time, the only occasion during Christ's earthly ministry when he was revealed in his glory as a person. We have the privilege to read about this. Made me think about what was the reason behind this event? Why did this actually have to happen now? What's the point that these three guys needed to see this? Okay, verse 21 said, verse 27 said that some of you will not die but see the kingdom of God. But what is the, what is the reason behind this event? And the word that came to me, one word, encouragement. See, the disciples were not Perceiving, They were not getting what he was saying, that I have to suffer, I have to be crucified on the cross, I'll be handed over. They just weren't getting this. They had this picture of the kingdom of God. They wanted this freedom from the Roman Empire. This is our leader. But Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. We know what's coming in the next few pages. He knew what was going to happen. Our father knew his, his son needed some encouragement, some support. Think about it. We know what is going to happen to him, and he is a man. Support to encourage him to finish his journey, his calling. Finish this trial of your life. Paul reminds us to finish the race well. We're all called to finish well. God is calling on all of us to fulfill what he's called us to do and finish well. It was his father's way of encouraging his son right at this time. As his son began to make his way to Jerusalem. The father spoke at the beginning of his ministry at the baptism in Luke chapter 3. And now he speaks again during the final week of his son's earthly ministry. Imagine the disciples here, hearing about the kingdom of God. And do you remember the Lord's Prayer? The disciples' prayer that Jesus taught the disciples and taught us? What does it say there? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about now, imagine what these disciples are hearing and seeing. What is on earth is going on? Here's Moses and Elijah and Jesus in their glory. In the midst of all this talk about the kingdom, there's a revelation about the cross. The disciples are on an information overload here. You know, wherever I go and I'm listening and hearing and meeting people and I'm always sitting down and rethinking everything I heard. How does this apply to my life? What does it mean? How do I respond to what I heard? It's quite exhausting. And now you think about what's happening to these disciples. They're tired. They're exhausted. 
They're trying to process everything that's happening around them and they fall asleep. The event is a demonstration or an illustration of the promised kingdom of God. Jesus was reassuring them that the Old Testament prophecies would be fulfilled. But first he had to suffer before he could enter his glory. But there's a practical lesson here. We can have a spiritual transformation too. We can experience this each day as we walk with the Lord. Romans chapter 12 and 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tell us, as we surrender the body, the mind and the will, the Lord transforms us from within so that we are not conformed to this world. So think about as you're listening to these scriptures and viewing your position. Warren Worsby says about this event, this may well be, sorry, this way, this may well have been the greatest Bible conference ever held on earth. Even apart from the great glory that was involved, here you certainly had the greatest speakers. Moses talking on the law, Elijah talking on the prophets, and Jesus who came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Moses and Elijah appeared and spoke to Jesus. They recognized them. If Moses and Elijah walked in here today, would you know who they were? Two men, they know it's Moses and Elijah. How? Jesus didn't do an introduction, say, guys, wake up. This is Moses, this is Elijah. The bodies of Moses and Elijah were never found. God buried Moses in Deuteronomy 34. And Elijah did not die, but was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Moses represented the law, or the old covenant. He had predicted the coming of a great prophet. Elijah represented the prophets who had foretold the coming of the Messiah. Jesus would die to set a sinful world free from the bondage of sin and death. And these two men were standing with Jesus, speaking to him about what God had planned for him. To encourage him to fulfill that. Because the reward would be far greater if he does that. Jesus' death would accomplish true freedom for all people who believe in him. It happened according to God's divine plan. But what an event that God has created there, right in the midst of his son knowing this is his last week. I've got to go through this for all these sinners around me. My disciples can't even understand what I'm saying. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, it says, But with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Moses and Elijah spoke. Of his departure with him. What a time. He had to fulfill this. 
for us. As you listen to this, as you're reading it in your scriptures, picture this glorious event on this mountain. Knowing one day we will also see the same glory. As the disciples woke up, they were overwhelmed with the glory of this situation. What do you think they were thinking when they saw this? I believe they were thinking the kingdom has come. This is the beginning of what Jesus has been saying. Thy kingdom come. Let's build three shelters, Peter says. He's a doer. Let's just do this. But he did not know what he was saying. Peter assumed the kingdom had arrived in his mind. And the scriptures then says, this is my son. Whilst Peter was speaking, a cloud enveloped him. A cloud. What does a cloud mean to you? A couple of years ago when we were waiting for rain and in the Sunday school class, the guys were saying, we need to pray for rain. So I was searching the scriptures to see how I could come before God and pray and ask for rain. And in the book of Nahum, it says there in chapter 1, verse 3, the clouds are the dust of God's feet. So as I'd walk and pray, I'd say, God, just kick up the clouds. Come on. Build up the storm. Stand on them. Let it rain. And here's a picture, again, often the symbol of God's divine presence, this cloud coming over. God's glory. In the Old Testament, it was the cloud that guided them out of Egypt, had appeared to the people in the wilderness, had appeared to Moses, had filled the temple. There's a huge significance of this cloud coming over this mountain. Can you imagine this? These men had heard about this cloud coming in the Old Testament. From men reading the scriptures, their teachings. Like we hear about it, like we read this every year, from back to front. question is, do you believe it? Do you really think the disciples believed what they had heard took place with their grandfathers? Here they're standing on this mountain. Here comes this cloud. Do we believe this all? It says the terror gripped these three. It sure would me too, standing up on top of that mountain. You shut your eyes and imagine this big cloud coming over and then it speaks. Remember this cloud came at Jesus' baptism. God gave the divine approval of his son, separating him from Moses and Elijah. Jesus was the son, the chosen one. And he's saying the disciples must listen to him. But he's actually saying to you and I, all of us, the same thing. Are you listening to him? You need to listen to him. The voice affirmed both at the baptism, at the transfiguration, that Jesus was the one sent by God. The one whose authority came directly from God. We listen to Jesus. We're on the right path. That's going to lead us to where we need to go. Those familiar with the Old Testament, as the disciples were, will recognize that the reference in the words, listen to him, was in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. 
with a messianic prediction of a prophet greater than Moses. Look what it says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. Are we listening to him? Made me think about that officer. He's just going about his duty. 3 a.m. in the morning, tired. Another criminal stopped. Wait a minute. I'm told I need to proclaim the kingdom of God. Come back here. Sit down. I got something to tell you. Are you listening? Are you obeying? Are we doing it? Our own personal transfiguration transfiguration comes from the inner renewal, as the Word of God says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image, same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Some of you have heard me saying, when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, what do you actually see? You know, John 15, it says, I abide in you. We know when you accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. So when you're looking in the mirror, what are you looking at? Like this verse says, yeah, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. He's looking at you, looking at Him. He's looking through your eyes at what you look at. He's there to communicate with you, to nudge you, your conscience. To lead you, if you will listen to him. But when you look in a mirror, it's reflecting what a person you are. Do you really glorify God in everything you do and say and where you go? Is your focus the kingdom of God? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? As we review what God is saying here, I think the question over and over is, are you listening to him? We have God Almighty in this cloud above these men saying, This is my son. Listen to him. Start listening to him because then I'd get hundreds of emails of stories of how you did this and how you did that with the power of the Holy Spirit. Our verse says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Are we doing what we are told to do for him? Until he returns. We know he's returning. We also know the end of the story. What's going to happen. And we're looking around at our world today. It's all going to happen. On time as he's, as he's recorded it. We also know as Christians. We're going to stand before him. At the judgment seat throne. Therefore we're ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God were making an appeal through us. May I say, I beg you, be reconciled to God. And look to reconcile those others to the Lord and Savior. As the deacons and elders get together to come forward for the communion, take a look at this table in front of us here. This has a huge significance to our walk with the Lord. And as you picture that encounter on the mountain, God sends down Moses and Elijah to talk with Jesus. I believe to encourage him to finish this. You need to go down to Jerusalem. And God reminding the disciples, because this is the end for them just about. So you need to, from this point on, what he's going to teach you, you need to listen very carefully. Because in the midst of what's going to happen, it's going to shock the daylights out of them. Everything they've seen around him, he is going to get crucified. And God is saying, you need to listen to what he's going to teach you from here and now. I'd like to ask you to examine yourselves this morning. Because the scripture says you, you better do that before you take part. It's an open communion for all those that know and believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You know what it costs. You know what has been said and what God requires. You know what you need to do. Come before Jesus and make this right. Like the story of the blind horse, listening for that bell, trusting. Are we trusting that inner voice? Are you listening to that gentle whisper this morning saying, follow me, do this with me? Scripture says, the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This morning we're being obedient. We've heard this, we're listening, and we're going to partake in this communion.